like putting your 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 hand in like boiling water and then um, somebody hammering on it at the same time it's like that that thudding pain but also like searing at the same time hello i'm nipper reed and i'm phil wolf so settle down have a nice cup of tea and enjoy the venomous exchange radio podcast crumpets nipper i want the crumpets well as you've been such an extraordinarily good boy in this episode we're joined by paul bester from cape town south africa Paul's a native South African and has a massive affinity for scorpions and African flora and fauna. His fieldwork in the Western Cape has granted him some amazing opportunities for both some fantastic photography as well as some legitimate boots-on-the-ground research. Being an arachnid keeper myself, I've met a lot of people passionate about bugs, but Paul's passion takes the cake. And we're live. Well, not live, but you know what I mean. So what's been up with you? Uh, not much, mate. Um, I've been spending way too much money on European vipers, so <laughs> I have a I have a, a chum that uh, is encouraging me way more than I should be encouraged to get back into the Euro vipers, um, and particularly the Iberian stuff. It really fits in with what I'm trying to do when I'm, re- I'm about to redo this, the snake building. So obviously. Spain, the uh, habitat and temperatures are very, very similar to a lot of the places in the U.S. Uh, with the stuff that I intend to keep. So it all fits in really nicely. And you know what it's like when you get into a rabbit hole. It's uh, it's deep. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've got some beautiful uh, Vipera Latasca Titania pre-ordered. I've got some lovely Vipera Renardi pre-ordered. And the big International Snake Day is in October. And I've got dollars to go and spend there. So I will be coming back. Hopefully, um, I've got some Cerastes, uh, sorry, some Corosalis Cerastes coming back. Nice. I've been waiting for them for so long. So that'll be very cool. And uh, yeah, any extra money is either going to go on uh, some locality milk snakes or some. Iberian vipers or maybe some island rail snakes. Nice. Yeah, you'd asked me about Daytona and locality milk snakes, and I feel like that's very, very that's very niche over here. So like are you looking for like triangulum triangulum or are you looking for like Well the, th- the thing is, um I don't know what it's like in this I think it's better in the States because I've been going on fauna classified and looking at stuff. And I think you're way ahead of us because it's you know, it's an American yeah. species, blah blah blah. But I think over here, the sad thing that, that's happened is people have been so focused on breeding morphs that you cannot get decent examples of just the sort of nominate species. Sure, sure. And I'm not interested in morphs in the slightest, but um, Sinaloha, which now falls under Polyzona, right. I've managed to get a really nice example of that, so I need to pair that up. Um Camberlai, again, you see yeah. so many, yeah, oh, it's Halloween phase, it's this phase, yeah, all beautiful looking snakes, not for yep. me. The bog standard Camberlai, I think, looks insane. I think it's yeah. beautiful. Trying to track down just 
normal forms of these things are so difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I feel like there's certain ones that are completely extirpated from the hobby, like Ruth and I. Oh, trying to get Ruth and I at the minute. You yeah. can get like all day long. I can get Ruth and I morphs. Yeah. But, or, or Ruth and I Pueblin hybrids. Yeah. But yeah. can I get a nice, you know, a nice locality pair of Ruth and I, which I'd love. It's, it's high on my list. You just don't see them. Don't see yeah. them at all. Yeah. Non-existent. And a lot of the South American stuff has completely dropped out of the hobby. The, um, I'm trying to think of the Latin name for it. Oh, the ones from the Andes. I can't remember the, the Latin name. Oh, I have no name. idea. It's yeah. Triangulum. Yeah, um, really? one of the big, one of the biggest ones. Just beautiful looking snake. No one's doing anything with them. There was some on Fauna Classified. There was two males on Fauna Classified. Really? But in Europe, cannot find them at all. Stunning looking snakes. Yeah. Um, and even yes, yeah, some of the non-Thairai Mexican stuff is fabulous. Yeah. But you don't see it. You just see the, the super colorful stuff. So well I definitely uh I want to make you a little jealous is that Chris Panshaw was at Daytona and was kind enough to introduce me to John Lasseter. Yeah. And uh we talked about Leonis and Pyros and uh you and I got a lot of work to do bro. Oh mate hundred percent a lot of well, work I'm- to do I'm gutted about when we were in Arizona, the, the site that we went to for um, the Clowberry is a well-known site for what was Woodini. Oh, really? So, so it would be in Philabris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd l- love to have seen that. I mean, you know, we saw lots of great yeah. stuff. I'm not moaning, but yeah, to see and that's, in Philabris in the wild. Been and just, that's you, know, you guys, if you guys do that Utah trip, you're 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 gonna find yeah. I, I mean i hope you're gonna find one but it's yeah. funny because i think infralabris is probably my favorite and i obviously we can't have real utah locality ones unless you are some kind of gift from god but yeah. the, but but the pyramilanas i have i chose ones that looked the closest to infralabris yeah. so yeah yeah that's that's cool so yeah hopefully uh, and because a lot of um, the lowland forms have been banned in Europe now. Um, the prices are just falling. Everyone's trying to get rid of their king snakes in Europe. Really? Yeah. So that they've been they've been banned across Europe, but because of Brexit, we don't fall under the legal parameters of Europe anymore in the UK. Excellent. So Excellent. you know we can have whatever. So everyone in Europe is just rushing to sell their their kings and milks at the minute. So. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. But apart from that, mate, all is good. All is good, good, man. No news is good news. No news is good news. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Hi, Phil. How's it been? How's Daytona? Daytona was monumental. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, this past weekend was the National Reptile Breeders Expo in beautiful Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, it was by far the biggest show it's the biggest Daytona they've ever done. And there was two rooms. There was the old room, which is about the size of like two high school gymnasiums. And then you had the main convention hall. And I really feel like it brought so many more people, so many more people and so many vendors, but they could have did it all in one room. And I think that the COVID restrictions and whatnot, because the aisles were super wide, the aisles were like 20 feet apart and they really spaced it out. But, it was a great show. Saw a ton of cool species. 
got a few things myself all my friends got some stuff so it, it was a, a wild ride and you know we always say that going to daytona the animals are just a bonus it's about hanging out with like chosen family and partying and drinking and doing all that adult stuff so yeah I'm very jealous what did you actually buy well i wound up picking up a, I, uh, a um well i can't talk today an apalachicolan king snake uh which i still call goinai excuse me i got a male baby to go with my female I got a, um, a Lee Abbott Okatee corn again, a male to go with my female. And then I wound up picking up a heavily dark patterned baby female Woma Python from Jason Balin. So that's my new, uh, my little baby, my little, my little baby. New, new project. And what new else project. did you get? What else did you get book wise? Which I'm very, Oh yes. I got my, my very own copy of snake versus man. From Johan Marer, circa 1985. It's awesome. a first edition. And, six, uh, be- six years before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. But yeah, it was. I, there's one book guy who who goes to all the big shows. He used to be in New York. Now he's down in the Carolinas. And uh, him and his wife. I mean, they're older, and all they do is sell her books. And <clears throat> excuse me, the guy's been f- relatively hip to like market value of certain rare books and like if you want to find like an original you know uh uh what's the like an original like clobber rattlesnakes edition like from the 50s or 60s or whenever that book was first produced it's going to run you a few hundred dollars because it's all leather bound and you know gold inlay and all that crap but at the same time he has a ton of new stuff too so uh he tries to section it by like parts of the world and then like animals within so he'll have like an africa section he'll have an australia section and then like turtles will be on the right and you know lizards will be in the left and snakes will be in the middle and i kind of go through and that's what we all do and i just happened to see that spine that said snake on it and it just drew me to it and i was like that's snake versus man and like i touched it on the on the rack and he goes yeah i figured you were gonna grab that one and uh I wound up snagging it, and I'm stoked. That's, that's amazing. That's lovely to find a little yeah. treasure like that when you're not expecting it. Yeah, I got, actually, I got to call him back because he's supposed to have an, a first edition Fitzsimmons Snakes of Africa, like in great condition, and I'm sure he's going to want a few hundred dollars for it because it's it's from God knows when. But now I got to call him because I definitely have to get that. You know, hundred percent. Add it to the Africa stack. So, yeah, but it was you a great guys show. The pathology is uh, quite. Um, I'm jealous of you guys because you get so much, so many books, and then on scorpions you don't get anything. I, I don't have even <laughs> a, a single book in my in my book rack. Even on scorpions, it's all. If you want to know something about scorpions, you have to go and like download a paper or something. So, pretty yeah, jealous. Yeah, it makes that, it tough. Yeah. I've got three bookcases full of books on herbs alone. Well, I think that's a good time to introduce our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. Paul Bester. Hi. Awesome. Hi, guys. Thanks, Paul, Nepa, for having me. Oh, we have been trying to uh, do something other than snakes for a long time. I'm going to put my hands up. I know very little about scorpions. Phil is all over that shit. He loves a scorpion. (laughs) Um, Awesome. I I know very little. I have photographed them around the world because I think they're fabulous. 
but I, I, as far as their care and their biology and that sort of thing, I've, I've never kept them or anything like that. So I'm going to take a real back seat and just learn stuff. So uh, I should leave it to the bigger boys. I should just sit at the back like the kid with the glasses <laughs> with the little plaster over it. One of those. I like it. Uh, well, yeah, so, we, what was the yeah, say before? This, yeah, sorry, Phil, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say is uh, I didn't know if you want to give like a – uh, a little intro as to you know where you come from and how you got into it and that kind of stuff yeah no problem um so oh, i'm from cape town in south africa um got into scorpions geez um probably when i was like uh, 14 15 maybe so about um like half my my age ago um basically it's my my dad and my my mom that got me into all the nature stuff my, my dad is a pretty well-known birder in South Africa, probably in the, I think he's like in the top 10 now in South Africa. Wow. Um, That's awesome. So it, you always had to go out into the field with him. And, and you know, if you're, if you're looking for birds or you're sitting in the hide, it gets pretty boring, you know, birds are birds. Um, and uh, so I would usually just leave the, the hide and go and scratch in the dirt, you know, like a kid does. And um I would find baboon spiders, snakes, and scorpions and stuff. And it basically started there. Um, and yeah, it developed, I started keeping snakes. And from, from snakes, it went to baboon spiders and tarantulas. And from there, I started keeping scorpions. And yeah, from there, it just exploded. That's fantastic, man. That's the way to do it. How, uh, how long before you start getting into the actual photography aspect of it? Um. So I kept scorpions for about uh, about seven years. And when I started getting rid of my whole collection about you, I had probably more than a thousand scorpions at one point. Um, bred everything wow. I had. If I, if I was if it was possible to breed them, I bred them. Um, I got That's rid awesome. of them. Yeah, I know it was. It gets to be a chore though, because it's like you've got like a thousand scorpions in these little tiny vials. You know, yeah. like they're like uh, smaller than a centimeter big and you've got like a hundred of them in a tub and you're sitting there, you throw a cricket in, throw a cricket in, water them, water them. And that takes hours, like a week. So after I got a bit, you know, it got to, to be a bit of a chore, I got rid of most of my collection. I don't have any scorpions now anymore, but it's like over the years, it got smaller and smaller. And yeah, the, the keeping part like went dead with me, but as that went dead, I, I started like looking for them in the in the wild and just started photographing them. Yeah, and that's basically the mission I'm still on, just photographing that's everything. Incredible. Can I ask, as someone who's never kept scorpions, I know you don't keep them now. What are you, have you kept snakes before? In terms of yeah, so, actually kept snakes. I presume, yeah. obviously, scorpions are a lot smaller than snakes, but. How do you keep scorpions? What what, is, what was your setup like? Well, well, it depends what scorpions you're keeping. So if you if you're going with the desert stuff, um, just small like plastic containers, just with sand, and um, that's it. Basically, you can just keep them on the sand. You, I, I follow the, the the European model of keeping scorpions, and just it's just sand. You don't even need a hide most of the time if you if you're you're container is like um, secure, the, the scorpion will feel secure in that container. You know, it's like their burrow basically. And you give them like, once a week you get a little spritz of water next to the side and that's it. And um, babies, 
baby scorpions, I used to keep them in like just little pull holders, you know, little vials. Just yeah. keep them in that. And that's, I think scorpion keeping is probably the easiest thing of all the like exotic animals to keep, you know, it's easier than the tarantulas, easier than snakes, easier than lizards, anything like that. So you don't need ex any external lighting, any external heating or anything like that? Um, in where I lived, I didn't, um, because it usually got to in the summer, it got to about sure, like 35 to 40 degrees. Uh, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, unfortunately. Um, no, it's okay. but it got hot, so I would just go with, with a seasonal change. So, in, in winter, I would let all my scorpions hibernate, and then, um, in, in summer, they would just start heating up as the as summer started going, and yeah, that's about it. But, um, I think in, in the European hobby and an American hobby for scorpions, yeah, they they've they use a lot of heating. Some of the guys in Germany have a whole room and they just put on the, the air conditioner on 30, 35 and just keep it going like that for the whole summer. So for me, I never used heating. Over there, the guys use a lot of heating for scorpions. I think it's I think it's really interesting what you're saying that you found it, it with so many, it ended up being a chore. And I think mm -hmm. A lot of people are sort of going that way at the moment. I know myself and you know, Phil and Eric and the people that we talk to. Less is definitely more. Um, I think yeah. it, it wants to yeah, be fun. It, it doesn't. It doesn't want to be something that is almost like a job that you know you finish your day job and then you've got to come home and do another four hours a night every night. You know, it, it should be a joy to go in. Whether you're keeping snakes, spiders, fish, whatever you're keeping, I think you're absolutely right. It, it should always be a joy. It should. It shouldn't be a chore. And if it is becoming yeah, a no, chore, definitely. You, you, yeah, you like at the start, like for, for the first like three years, it was like very enjoyable because I had like maybe like fifty scorpions, and then it's easy, you know. But when it gets to those like hundreds, it just gets too intense, and you can't keep up with everything. And yeah, it's not. It's not nice. <laughs> that's just an incredible amount. And I presume you're feeding crickets and stuff like that. Yeah, so when I was feeding, I fed um, crickets and basically um, roaches. And then um, for for babies, they, sometimes the babies are so small, you can't feed them anything live. Like in, in, in Europe, they, they breed those like little fire breath things. Like um, it's like little yeah. ice or something. In South Africa, you can't get them. So what I used to do with the, like the smallest baby scorpions, I would just kill a roach cut it in half and just throw a half in for the baby and they'd start eating the, the, the dead thing. It's like um, they scavenged, basically. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Now, Phil, are you going to be across if I start asking really basic questions? No, I say go for it. I feel like there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that are curious and there's a lot of people that might want to get into it and maybe even, you know, listening to Paul talk may inspire them to get their first arachnid. I mean, who knows? Um I was just going to say, uh, do you, you know what? Take it away, Nipper, because I have I have a bunch of more technical stuff in my head. Yeah, and let's I'm let's sure. do that. Let's let's work our way up to that. Well, let's do the basic stuff for the for the silly boy at the back. So my <laughs> my first question is, um, how many species of scorpion are there in South Africa? Oof. Um, so that's a bit of a, a murky thing um, because the, the the taxonomists and stuff are are, are quite slow you know so at the, at the moment there's probably like 200 plus but described there's probably like 102 105 species 
but there's like double that if, if the taxonomists get going wow. and okay. you know start describing the stuff. And because, Phil, um, just to compare, in the States, how many species of scorpion are there? Oh, roughly. Geez. Sorry to put you on the spot. R- roughly, I would say probably less than 20. Oh really? No, yeah. you, you've got a lot more than that. Hey? <laughs> you think? I can, I can, I can, yeah, I can tell you now. Just give me a second. I'll, I'll tell you how many you've got. I think you've got yeah. like two hundred, maybe. In um, the United States, no, because I know you've got. In, you've got like in North or America. Or... Let's let's see. Um, I've got yeah, yeah. USA, you've got one hundred and eleven. One hundred and eleven. How That's is that right. possible? No way. Because. Yeah. <laughs> No yeah, way. so I just checked. <laughs> That's yeah, where are you so reading that? A, a lot of. Um, so if you go onto a, a website called called um, scorpionis.pl, um, okay. I think it's it's done by a Polish guy, and okay. it's basically a, a a catalog of all the scorpion species that's been described by country. Really, and you can go to that country and and it gives you like a drop down menu of um, all the species in in that country. So it was scorpion.pl. Um, it's Scorpioni, so it's Scorpion with an E before the S at the end. Okay. And dot PL. Okay. Oh, there it is. And you'll yeah. see. Uh, Incredible. Yeah. So I think there's like a a thing where you can go onto a map and. Um, yeah, I think if you put. Yeah, so there's like 111. So you've got a little bit more than South Africa in, in See, the that's, USA. That's really interesting. We still not the, the biggest countries too. Yeah, that's so crazy because, like, for example, the entire eastern seaboard, there's only I think three species, and and I'm wondering if that if they have taken the taxonomy and just ran with it. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So so with the eastern seaboard on the US with you guys in the US, it's 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 pretty like there's not a lot, but if you go into the central of, of America and to the west coast, you get a lot of stuff like there's insane amounts of scorpions. Well now now I gotta go down that rabbit hole. Damn it, nipper. <laughs> well, I think you've got a lot of uh, homework to do, Phil, to be perfectly honest. Shame on you. 20 species you weren't even close to say the least <laughs> jesus rubbish. i mean shit we've seen yeah, i mean and, I've... and then you get you get i fall yeah no sorry audio cut out for a second go ahead yeah so you get to like like in mexico you get like i think mexico is probably the country with the most scorpions and they've got like 200 plus brazil's wow. got 200 plus yeah, so there's, there's countries that are insane number of species. So yeah, there's. Do so you know how many uh, species we have in England? We have. Oh, one. You've got one. <laughs> we have one. Yeah, you've got <laughs> one, one. One species. <laughs> which I yeah, they, they introduced one. Yeah, it's, it does very well. It's it's, it's about when I want to. I, I do go. I like to go and see them every now and then. It's about a two-hour drive from my house. And they're in just in two locations. One is Ongar in Essex, and the other one is uh, Sheerness in Kent. Yes. And, uh, po- yeah, yeah, population yeah. populations are huge. You know, they're super. Yeah, it's crazy because it's it's crazy that you brought that up because that's actually like you always have that like bucket list of things to, to see of scorpions, and and that the, the Sheerness one is actually on my list to see if I ever get right. to England one day. I'll if you come to England, I'll take you straight yeah. to the site. Yeah. It, it's um 
It is basically a Victorian dockyard with um, about a 15 foot high stone wall all the way around it. So this wall is, you know, it probably covers a couple of acres. It's, it's a massively long wall all the way around a dockyard. And um, they're just all over the wall, this one wall. What species is it? Uh, it's a Euroscorpia species. I don't, I don't know. Which, I okay. Think. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, we just go down there with black lights, and and within a few minutes, you just you know you'll you'll find in loads. You know, twenty minutes searching, you'll probably find ten or twenty. It's the population densities are really good there, and you know they've they've been there yeah. for, for for decades. A lot, long time, yeah, a long time. I think they got there in like the 1800s or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's great to see. I mean, it, make, it makes me laugh every time because it's such a an abhorrent animal to see in the British countryside. It's not something that you'd expect at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, come over and I'll take you straight there. It's easy. That's easy. I was going to say herping. I don't awesome. know what the word is. What is the word for looking for scorpions? Yeah, no, the, I, I don't even use the word for it. It's just going to the field, man. That's about okay, it. Okay, yeah, well, it's, it's easy It's easy field work to find them, put it like that. They're, they're not hard. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, I, I, you shouldn't have told me about that Polish website. I'm literally, like, forcing myself not to click any links because that's a deep, <laughs> deep rabbit hole, man. Deep rabbit hole. Yeah, so oh, wow. it's actually it's like one of the, the best, best websites. If, if you ever get somebody that asks you, you know, I, I get a lot of people on Instagram coming to me and they're like, I don't know, from Iran or something. And they're right. like, what scorpion is this? And you go to that website and you, you go to the maps area and you go on Middle East and you click on Iran and it brings down Iran's whole species list and you wow. just take it from there and you're like, okay, that's a that's an androctonus or something. And you can go from there. It's, if it's a yellow androctonus. You can say, oh, it's a Australis or something like that. You know, sure, sure. It makes yeah. it a lot easier. Yeah, that's Very Phil. Not, that's Phil not going out for the next week now. Literally, literally. <laughs> literally, he's going to sit in his pants and look at scorpions. And now um, I'm like, I'm like, man, I I, only, I thought I only had like ten or fifteen more scorpions to photograph in in my country, and now I'm screwed. Now I got to make special trips just to photograph them. Well, we did, we did we did we did good work in Arizona though. We had we did four, we got we had four, four four species in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, was, and those the, the the mountain the little mountain ones were fantastic. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, so no, I actually know two two guys there in um I think they're in California or something, and I've been following on the Instagram for quite a while. It's um the one guy is Bothrops um et al, and the other guy is me and the aliens, and they actually work on the taxonomic side of um scorpions in in California, Nevada, and all those places. And they actually just brought out a new paper. Um, yeah, it's insane how many scorpions are in California, just like in these tiny little spots. You know, you get mm -hmm. them for like a radius of five kilometers and it's it's like totally like like cut off from other species and stuff. It's it's insane. That's awesome. It's like, it's like the little ones, the, the tiny little scorpions we saw in the Sky Islands are like endemic yeah. to that one little Sky Island. Yeah. And then, you know... 30 miles down the road or 20 miles down the road, you've got another sky island with a completely different scorpion on it. It's fabulous. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. Yeah, it's a good point. That's great point. Great to see. So another basic question. We decided we've got about, how many did you say? 110 species before taxonomy splits. Yeah. What are the scorpion species that are um, 
potentially uh, a risk to humans? Um, so in South Africa, I would say there's only like two recorded species that's caused deaths, and that's um, Parabutus granulatus, the rough thick tail. And then you get the Parabutus transvalicus, which every, most people know them, and it's the transvalic oh, yeah. thick tail. Um, you get other scorpions that could cause complications, you know, in older people and young children and stuff like that. But there's never been any documented cases for them causing death. But um, with, with Parabutus granulatus, you get at least like two to three, maybe four deaths a year. Not a lot, but, you know, it happens. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, compared to, I mean, the UK, although we only have one species of endless snake, we have zero fatalities a year. And yet you're, you know, you're living in a country with scorpions that are causing the fatalities. I think that's, mm. that's incredible. So yeah, um, are there any stats for, um, <laughs> apart from mortality rates, are there any stats for hospitalizations for scorpion bites or is it not something that will be recorded? Uh, I don't. I, I don't think it's it's a like a highly recorded thing um, because it's such a it's a rare occurrence to, to to find people dying of scorpions. But usually it's just um, people get a you go to the hospital and they just treat you sim symptomatically and that's about it. You know you can't. You, there is anti venom, but it's usually not needed for scorpions. So I, I don't think there's a lot of recorded um, you know information about that stuff. Cool. And that segues to the next question is, I assume you've been stung before. Have you ever been stung by something that's what you would consider medically significant? Um, not by a, a native species, but with um, exotic species, yes. So I've, I've been stung by a lot of South African stuff, like uh, the burrowing scorpions, the creeping scorpions, the, the lesser thick tails and stuff like that. But that's yeah. like, um, it, it hurts for about an hour. And then it goes away and you have like pins and needles, but something really venomous. I've been stung by a hot and tota, menusalta from, um, I think it was from Iraq. Um, and it got me, I was actually like um, um, moving them from container to container. And I didn't have my tongs at the time. And um, I was like, okay, I've been tailing scorpions for, for a long time. I'll try it. Um, and I, I misgrabbed and the thing got me on like my index finger. Oh, and it's, it's, it's not a nice experience. Um, I would say it's like, uh, like putting your, your, your hand in like boiling water and then um, somebody hammering on it at the same time. It's like that, that thudding pain, but also like searing at the same time. Jesus. Um, and within like an hour, it went up to about my um, shoulder. My, my arm swelled up. Um, the lymph nodes started to, to get a bit, you know, like, um, started to pain. And at that time I was, I think I was like 18 or something. So I was, uh, I was a bit scared to go to hospital because, uh, it's, I think it's like 13 years ago and it was, it was illegal to, to keep those scorpions at the time. Um, so I didn't want to go to, to hospital and, you know, got, get into all this, like, you know, where, yeah. where you were stung by, how did you get it? You know, so I right. just took a few like pain tablets, um, went through the day. It was so, it was so intense. Um, <laughs> but uh, like two days later, the pain started to go away. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I've been stung by some, some hectic, hectic stuff, but yeah, lived through it. That's crazy. It's, um, and again, forgive me for my lack of knowledge, 
uh, with a, a, a scorpion envenomation, are there the same um, potential problems as with, how, how does it work? Is it cytoxic? What sort of venom is it? So most species, almost all species of scorpions are neurotoxic. So it's all the, the heart problems and the, the, the breathing problems and stuff like that. And then you get like hemiscorpius, which is in, I think, in the Middle East and like Egypt and things. And they actually, um, I forget the, 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 the venom name, like a puff adder venom, <laughs> you know, the one that eats like the flesh and stuff. Oh, and the that's, cross stuff. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So that's one of the few like scorpions that actually have that venom. And they've actually caused um, fatalities and they'll, they'll like get stung on the finger and the finger starts rotting away. But like, I think like 99% of scorpions are neurotoxic and the, the highly venomous ones basically is cardiac arrest and yeah, breathing issues and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. So have you ever been stung by Transvalicus? No, no, never. I, I've never been stung by a parabutus before. Um, I don't intend to get stung by one. Um, I would never so, tail uh, a parabutus. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Transvalicus is hands down probably my favorite scorpion. And when I first got one, my, my, when I got my first one, this was probably a decade ago, uh, there was that whole thing of, oh, they can spray its venom. It can spray its venom. It can spray its venom. So here I am, you know, young and stupid. And, uh, I put glasses on, you know, the same one I use for the spinning cobras and stuff. And here I am with tweezers, like poking it. And I did this for so long and it never did anything. And I was going to ask you, is it true? And have you seen it? So I I've seen videos of it. Um, I've actually okay. seen where it's actually like squirted, you know, it's like a, basically like a, a spitting cobra just like squirts straight out really um in the field i've never seen them any parabutas do that before i've seen them flick venom like they'll have like droplets of venom on the on the vesicle you know on the stinger right. and they'll like flick their their tail and the, the venom will like spray everywhere so okay um i've never seen the actual like the spraying but i've seen them flick the venom before interesting yeah the closest thing i've seen was uh liasoma that like was forcing out the venom and it was just like it was like the, the it was like the a leaking faucet just yes, like drip like drip a, drip yeah, drip like drip, drip yeah oh yeah yeah you get that a lot in parabutas it's like if you if yeah. you start tampering with them it starts dripping like almost within a minute yeah yeah and we uh we had uh just spoke with uh kyle from uh, east african venom supply in kenya and he was telling me that they changed liasomas now i think maximus Yes, I didn't know it's, if it's split up into three species, I think. Okay, okay. But you guys you guys three. still have Liasoma, but that's way far east of you, right? Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, it's Kenya and um, Ethiopia and places like that, far away from South no, Africa. No, same, but like in Khotang they have like uh Liasoma and like into yes. southern Mozambique and stuff. Okay, okay. Very cool, man. Very cool. Uh, just as far as um the sort of after envenomation systematic systemic, I'm not sure what the word is other things i was photographing or trying to photograph the hybrid between the ass viper and the amadites viper in slovenia there's a little tiny contact area and you get this crazy looking snake the, the two species of hybridized it's, it's like it's a nat naturally occurring integrate naturally occurring yeah. integrate yeah it's yeah. really cool and a very good photographer friend of mine was there with me and he flips a rock and he got bitten by a scorpion in Slovenia. 
and um, it was a bit painful, but nothing berserk. But he couldn't stop throwing up. He was vomiting yeah. for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I, 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 really strange. I mean, you talk of a scorpion was probably no more than a couple of centimeters long. Yeah, and you know, yeah, he's, a, he's a big lad. Uh, just the the, damp, the the you know the effect it had on him was incredible. Yeah, no. It's with with scorpions, it's like you you get so many side effects. Usually, it's 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 like limited to a few, but sometimes, like you say, you, you get people vomiting and you get people, you know, swelling up like insane amounts on the on the on like like the sting site and stuff like that. But yeah, usually it's it's uh, not that bad. But yeah, yeah, incredible little thing. I mean, going again, going back to Arizona, the other thing was the potential to easily get envenomated because when you know when it was when it rained there were so many scorpions and they blend in so well and they're on the rock surface so as you're scrambling around you know particularly one of them you know i went to put my camera bag down and there's there's a scorpion there it's yeah. Easy. Yeah. It's not like it's not like a snake, which is quite a big thing. Even though with the cryptic, you know, the rattlesnakes or whatever, that it's a sizable thing. The scorpion. Yeah, and it makes a noise sometimes. You know, the rattlesnake rattles. Yeah, little, yeah. I mean, like that's why a scorpion doesn't. Exactly. I mean, that's why American herping is so easy. I don't know why people have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> European stuff is silent. But um, yeah, it's just the potential for us to get envenomated while we was just clambering over rocks or taking photographs of other things. Was, was we didn't. Insane. We. We didn't even need the black light. They were they were just walking around. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's the same in South Africa. It's like when I go looking for scorpions and I usually have to stay at like a campsite or you know, a national park or something like that, the people will always say, Hey, just wear shoes, don't wear flip flops or something like that, because they are scorpions. And the people always like ignore it and stuff. And even me, I used to used to like walk with flip flops and stuff. And if you actually walk inside like the campgrounds, like between people's tents and stuff, you get the parabutas walking around, like, you know, cruising around and stuff. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to avoid. That's super cool, man. Super cool. <laughs> so what is your, how, let me rephrase that. Where you live is there a, a good population of different species or do you have to travel? to really find some some unique and photogenic stuff yeah so like with most countries if you're living in the like you know the the, the metropolitan or the suburbs or something everything is, is built up there's nothing left basically so um in cape town there's like little pockets of nature left and you can go and find a scorpion there but it's always like i would say in cape town there's no like intense scorpion species that's like that stands out or something like that um, so I usually have to travel at least 100 k's before I get, you know, like photogenic scorpions or something wow. that's a bit more rare or photogenic or something. Excellent, very yeah. cool. Yeah, it makes and it makes for a, a good trip. You know, you you it, you get away from suburbia, the city, and you know, find what you find what you love, find what you're looking for. Yeah, so no, definitely. How um. How many times do you go out looking for scorpions and wind up being a herper instead? <laughs> so it's actually, it's funny you said that. It's like I, I go about, I would say once a month for, for 
for intensive, go and look for scorpions or something like that, you know, take a few hours a day. Um, and I rarely see snakes. <laughs> Maybe like once every 10 trips, I'll see a snake. Um, really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, usually when I go with people, I see more, but it seems like I, I repel snakes. Um, I, I usually find stuff that live like scorpions. So if I start rock flipping, I might find a snake that live under under the rocks. But uh, I rarely see any bitters, you know. I rarely see cobras. I rarely see uh, sand snakes, stuff that's on the go, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't see them a lot. But things like uh, shovel snouts and... Um, red lips and stuff like that that like hiding under rocks and logs like scorpions yeah. i can find them quite easily but um yeah that's uh that's about it i never see like the crazy uh, snakes <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta try and get the the cohab picture you know with the scorpion and the the scorpion the centipede and the snake all under the same rock you know <laughs> yeah. there was a there was a guy in east cape who had a photo floating around for a while with a it was a red-lipped herald under a single rock that he flipped and then right next to it was um an epistothalamus that was yes. bigger than the snake yeah and i that picture i just that picture was awesome man yeah you, no, you gotta, you gotta, that's, just, uh, that's that's a nice snack for the epistothalamus to be honest <laughs> <laughs> exactly he was sizing yeah, them up man. right <laughs> yeah no, I've, I've seen um uh, scorpions in the northern cape so in the desert parts you get these like uh once a year you'll get like a thunderstorm in the area and i was there the one year and the thunderstorm was going and uh, this one probably just like schlechter eye was cruising about with like a thread snake in its mouth because they're like fossorial snakes and they come up, wow. up up when it's raining and they actually catch the snakes and stuff so it's quite cool to see that that's awesome absolutely yeah. incredible and i imagine it was probably a fairly big pair of this yeah so the, the schlechter eye in that area get about two, 10 to 12 centimeters from wow. the tip of, tip of the tail to the mouth parts. Wow. Yeah. Not the biggest, but yeah, they, they get quite big. So, yeah. That's awesome. So let's talk about this then. How often do you travel into Namibia and, or do you try and keep it, you know, mostly in your, your state? So if, if I get the, ever get the chance to go to Namibia, I, I'll take the, the, you know, take that option. But um, I've probably been in Namibia for scorpions about three, four times. I, okay. I've done a, I've done a whole trip. I think it was three weeks. We did start from the south, went up all the way to the the the, the border with Angola, mm -hmm. went went to the east part, and then came back straight down. Um, and yeah, I found so many scorpions. Like Namibia is just like an extension of South Africa when it comes to scorpions. It's, you get yeah. the same type of stuff. It's Parabutus opisthothalamus, Uroplectes all those types of things. Um, it's just a big desert, basically. Awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Why do I find it really strange that someone would do a three-week trip to field hurt for scorpions when I would do exactly the same trip in exactly the same area for snakes? It's just really yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that trip actually started with my dad because he wanted to see some um, birds up in the north. Um, like I think it's on the border with, with Angola, and I was like, yeah, there's some scorpions I'd like to see in the area, so I'll go with, you know. So wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I saw quite a few things in Namibia that's yeah, it's like the big Parabutus velocis, those it's like uh, yeah, the biggest venomous scorpion in the world. So they get to about 18 centimeters. Yeah. And seeing seeing them like they're also the only diurnal scorpion. So you see them cruising up 
out in the dunes in the daytime. So wow. we were walking around looking for birds and you see this like big black hairy scorpion just cruising around on the dunes. And it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome. I would love to see that. I've got to be honest. So can I ask, um, the, regarding the photography, was this something that you started before you were keeping or was it you were keeping and that pushed you to go out and start taking your photos? Yeah, so it started when I was keeping um, because I used to like um, frequent the forums, you know, Scorpion forums and stuff like that. Um, and you you take pictures of your collection like like everybody does in the snake hobby and the reptile hobby or whatever. And it started with the, the exotic species. I take photos. I had this crappy camera, you know, like a point and shoot thing. It's like 20 years old. Um, but yeah, and then from there, I got a better camera and basically it just, I enjoyed photographing them in the wild more than actually keeping them in a little container or something. Yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, are, are kind of going that way. I'm keeping less and want to get out more. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's getting, still... it's getting, go, it's getting into nature, you know. You, you, it's, yeah. it's a much more natural connection with the scorpion or with the animal than, than uh, it's not being mean to, to keepers or anything, but I feel it's a nat more natural like connection you've got with that animal. It's like I, I, can, I completely, it's... completely agree. I mean, I was super, super keen to keep Clauberi and Ulardi, mm. but now I've seen them in the wild. I'm less keen to keep them. It doesn't mean I won't keep them. Yeah. But there was yeah, something. It's totally different. Yeah. There was something about seeing them in the wild that I don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But I, I, yeah, that's interesting. I think, uh, I think for me, for me, it's like um, if you see them in the in the natural habitat, you like you, the surroundings and everything. It's, it's you understand how the thing lives. You know, it, you, you understand how yeah. the, the the hardship of the animal. You know how they yeah. catch their prey. How, how the rains and stuff affect them, all those kind of hardships they have in the in the wild, you understand that a lot more than when you keep it yeah. in a vial, you give it a bit of water every week and feed it once a week, you know. Yeah. It's a, and, easy and it, life. Yeah, and it's whether we can as keepers recreate that to some extent yes. at home or are we, you know, are we not doing that a fabulous animal the justice it deserves? Yeah. So um, you said you had a crappy point-and-shoot camera. Have you you've upgraded now? What are you using at the minute? What's your kit at the minute? So it's not actually it's still a point and shoot. I don't use like a DSLR or something. Okay. Like I've, I've, I've actually never um, used a DSLR before in my life. Um, my dad and all the the bird photographers and stuff they use these huge lenses and DSLR cameras that cost like you know forty thousand rand, which is about I don't know like four thousand pounds or something, and. Yeah. Um, I don't know for, for for my for what I do. I find the point and shoot camera as long as every part of the scorpion is in focus, it's it's all yeah. good. I, I use a, a normal Nokia, ah, not Nokia, a Nikon. Um, oh, thank Yeah, so basically a Nikon bridge camera. So it's like a you know it's a, that um, in between a point and shoot and a DSLR. So yeah. yeah. I completely get it. I'm, you know, I, I, I do use a big camera, a Nikon. Thank God you pronounce Nikon correctly. I like my <laughs> American friends. Um, and I've got all these, as you say, extortionately expensive lenses. 
and I carry it around all day. I think just my camera alone with one lens on it weighs about two kilos and you yeah. carry it through the bush all day. And I take more pictures on my phone than anything else. The camera it's quality is easy. <laughs> easy, but the camera quality on particularly the iPhones and things like that. Now, if you're doing a relatively small subject, it's fantastic. And you've not no, got no, to worry about ISOs. You've not got to worry about, uh, am I getting, am I going to burn it out on the flash? You know, is the depth of field correct? Because everything's done for you. Um, yeah, and no. the beauty, I would imagine, when I take a picture of the scorpions, the beauty of it is they're not the biggest thing in the world. It's not like yeah. trying to photograph a five-foot snake and get that all in focus. You're looking at yeah. something that's probably 10 centimetres or something like that. Um, yes which oftentimes sits quite still for you, which is another bonus. Ooh, uh, I, I wouldn't say that, though. <laughs> no? Okay. No, uh, no. In, in my small experience of photographing scorpions, they've all looked, if I flipped a rock or they've been out on a rock, as soon as you come near it, they just sort of freeze, and you can really get some nice macro shots of them. It's really cool. Yeah, um, so for, for, for me, scorpions are like the, the, the perfect size for photographing for what, what I'm used to. It's like, like you said, it's not a big five meter snake and it's not like a, a tiny one centimeter little, you know, spider. It's like they're in the yeah. perfect in the middle. You yeah. don't need this extortionary like macro lens and you don't need this crazy big, you know, wide angle lens for, for bigger things. You just use a normal camera and it, it does a job, you know. Um, but going on that thing about where they sit still, um, yes, you're right. If you flip the rock, they'll sit still. But to get the, the pictures I usually need, I have to get them in a certain position. You know, the, the tail has to be flat. The, the legs have to be spread out. The, 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 the pincers have to be, you know, everything has to be uniform so you can get everything in, 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 in the photo because then it's the, it's the best to, to use as an identifier, you know. If, if somebody asks you, hey, how does this scorpion look, you send a photo that you can see all the features. And yeah. when you're trying to get them into that position, they run and they don't <laughs> stop running, especially if it's windy and especially if it's hot, they don't stop running. So is, is there any, like, uh, little hints or tips? I mean, for, for us as snake photographers, you know, everyone carries a saucepan lid to put yeah. over the snake and it curls up beautifully under the saucepan lid and you take it away and you've got this crackingly positioned snake. Is there anything you can do for scorpions like that? Uh, I've got I've got an easier one for you. You've you've always got it with you as a shoe. You just step on oh, them. Really? You don't crush them. You don't crush them. You just basically you make them um, feel like they're under a rock again, basically. You know? Right. So they, they feel that contract contact from above and they feel the contact from below and they, they feel safe. And that's also if you're ever handling a non-venomous, well, not non-venomous, but a, a not dangerous scorpion, you do the same when you, you've got it on your hand, it's flat on your hand, and if you want to get it to calm down, you put your other hand on top of it, and you basically try and gently squeeze it down, and they, yeah. they feel safe, they feel, you know, they feel secure in, in between your two hands, and they'll calm down, and yeah. So okay. use your shoe, or just use a rock, and just put them under the rock again. So you don't actually you have to use any, you know, bring any material with, yeah. No, that's, that's handy. And um, obviously, predominantly, you're photographing at night. Yes. So, what I mean, that must cause this problem because trying to get decent photography for snakes and, and lizards and stuff at night is problematic. How, yeah. 
is there the same sort of problems with scorpions? Do you get the translucence? Do you get reflectivity off of them? Or is it quite easy so, with a standard flash? Um, with a standard flash, I don't usually have a problem. It's, it's when you get those shiny scorpions, like you said, you get that, um, you know, reflection, um, especially with something like the flat rock scorpions or uh, the burrowing scorpions, especially the females, because they are much more, uh, how would I say, uh, burrow bound, or they, they stay a lot more in their, in their hiding spot. They are a lot more glossy than a, than a male or something like that. And if you use a flash on them, they actually reflect quite a bit. Um, so that, that's probably the only problems you've got when you're photographing a scorpion is, is the reflection. Okay. Um, have you done any of this? I mean, I've, I've got a chum that um, takes a, a, some scorpion pictures and he does the sort of black light pictures where they're glowing up. Have you done yeah. anything? Incredible. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite difficult um, <laughs> because you have to have your ISOs and everything set like a, to a certain thing. So it's not easy on a bridge camera or something like that. But if you've got a DSLR camera, it's, it's quite easy if you set the, yeah. the, the, the settings to the correct areas and things. Yeah. So my question to you now is how often do you actually use a black light to find stuff or is it mostly during the day flipping stuff? So in the summer, it's about 100%. UV lighting. You, you you go to a spot and you, you spend the day just waiting till the night and then you go out until about two o'clock in the morning, just UV light. And that's the only way. And in winters, that's when you start rock, rock flipping because it's too cold for the scorpions to come out. So you just go look for them or you go digging or something like that. Very cool. Have you, have you got a website of your photographs that people can... Uh... Are you on Instagram for your photos? Yep. So you can you can find me on Instagram. It's um. Let me see what my username actually is. Uh, um, it's Paul Bester underscore Scorps, and that's it. Um, oh. You can see a lot. I, I I post about every second day. So. Oh, that's cool. Phil can put that out on the on the link. So Absolutely. I will be following you within the hour. Hundred percent, dude. And the photography is incredible. Absolutely incredible because I spend a lot of time looking at scorpion pictures, especially on Instagram. And most of the time it's some really good cell phone pictures, myself included. But I I love how you get a little bit of the habitat, a little bit of the bug. Forgive me for using the word bug. And uh <laughs> and it's never you can tell it's never the same actual specimen because the variability is so dynamic and you throw some other stuff that you find in there too, lizards, snakes, what have you, yeah. uh, that cat, that cataphract, this was pretty awesome. I got to say. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I love them. They, they difficult to find, but when you do find them, they like one of the best things to, to get in South Africa because they, they just look like a little dragon, you know, it's, it's oh yeah, it's intense. They're, they're, they're definitely a bucket list spe species for me. Yeah. Like the desert iguana. Yes, yes, like the desert iguana. <laughs> uh, did you see? I, I sent uh, I sent the boys from Arizona in the group chat the desert iguana in the deli cup on the table. I did see that. It did yeah. make me chuckle. Yeah, another yeah. one on your another yeah. one on your list. Yeah. Um, for... <laughs> <laughs> so when you're uh, just 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 for anyone else that's thinking of um, maybe doing I don't know what to call it not a herp trip a field trip for yeah. scorpions to South Africa. Um, is it is it safe to you know to go off on your own and travel around in some of the areas that you're going for scorpions? 
particularly if so, you're maybe not local. Yeah, so that's that's one of the difficult parts when you're coming to South Africa and you want to go out into the bush or something like that. Um, it, it all depends on where you are. Hey? If you if you're in the Northern Cape, if you're in the Western Cape, usually quite safe going out about on your own, especially in the Northern Cape because it's just a big desert and nobody really lives there. You'll only get trouble if you're in town or something like that. Somebody trying to rob you or something like like that. Um, um, but some of the more sketchy provinces like uh, KwaZulu-Natal or Limpopo or Northwest, I wouldn't suggest just going out on your own. Um, maybe take a guy or another guy or something like that and, and yeah, just stick to groups. But yeah, just depends where you are in South Africa. Some of the places are exceptionally safe and other places just aren't, especially yeah, in the cities. Yeah, it's like anywhere, isn't it? There, there's, yeah. there's some safe places you need to you need to just have your wits about you. Are there organised trips? Is there any companies doing field herping, field herping, scorpion trips out there, or is it something? No, no scorpions. Have? No, you no. won't find any scorpion um, trips in South Africa. You get like a spider walks and stuff, and they'll they like include scorpions if they find them, but you'll never get like a um, how would you say like a predominantly scorpion you know, type field trip or something like that. Okay, well, there's a business opportunity for you right there because uh, 100%, I'm sure it's like anything. There's so many people that are interested in stuff like this. I mean, I get approached all the time about um, herping trips and stuff like that. But people are interested, but they don't want to or don't feel they have the capability to organise a trip. Um, and have the local logistics and stuff like that. So I think, you yeah. know, there's a lot of people out there that keep scorpions who would love to go out and do field work with scorpions. Yeah, no, it's definitely. It's also that thing about um, all, the, all the laws in, in South Africa. Right. Um, because it's always like you, you're not supposed to disturb the animal. You're not supposed to shine anything on them. There's all these, like, uh, uh, redundant okay. laws, you know, you get. And... Um, as far as I know, in some of the provinces, you're not actually allowed to use a UV light on scorpions because it, it falls under torches and you're not allowed to torch an animal. So right. it, it's the, the, the laws are sometimes so stupid and sometimes it's understandable, but it's difficult to get something going like that in the Western Cape because the, the Cape nature is like the, the, the body that does all the, the rules for the province on, 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 on um, the nature part. Um, they're very strict and they're quick to give out fines because that's how they get their money. Yeah. Um, yeah so something like doing a, a scorpion trip, if you're, if you're not part of a, like a, say a national park and you're working with a national park or working with Cape nature, I, I wouldn't attempt it because right. there's all, always somebody that wants to go and, you know, Oh, this guy's doing this. It's illegal. You know, yeah. so it's, it's never easy. I, I forget. I mean, I live in the UK and I can go out and put my finger up a badger's bum and there are no yes. laws to protect it. It's, you know, um, but, uh, I can see that. It's like, kind of like Australia, I suppose. In yeah, it's basically like Australia, the same same yeah. type of like, it's it's just very strict. Yeah. So if somebody was wanting to come out and, and, and do a, uh, a sort of like a field trip, what would you say, because of you know, limited time, what is the hotspot? If you're going to say, if you've got a week, where would you go? For scorpions. For scorpions, yeah. Mm. Um, I would say the Northern Cape, basically. Yeah. Northern Cape, you, yeah. You, you start in the in the south of the Northern Cape and you just keep on going until you hit the, the border with Namibia. 
Um, you can probably do a, a good field trip like that in, in a, a week or two. Um, and you'll probably see about, depends where you're going, but you'll probably see like 20 to 30 species. Wow. If, if, if it's a, if it's a good time of the year, yeah. if you're going, wow. if you're going saying in um, January when they've got their, their thunderstorms and their rains, you'll see a lot of scorpions. Sometimes if, it, if it's a thunderstorm, if you, you get to, I always go to this one place um, just on the orange river, which is like the border with Namibia. They get annually, annually about one or two thunderstorms with a lot of rain. And if you can time your trip with with a thunderstorm and you go walking just as a thunderstorm is starting, you can see probably like in, in one night, maybe close to 500. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. It's insane when you're walking and you're just seeing like, say 10 scorpions right next to you. You know, it's, if you, if you time it right, you can see a lot of things. Incredible. So how many, what's the biggest number of species and what's the biggest number of specimen you found in a single night? A single night? Well, um, I would say like close to like the 500 mark. Wow. Um, species wise, I would say about in, in one night, if you're in the right place and if you, if you visit like numerous habitat spots, you know, because some live in the rock cracks, some live on flats some live in rocky areas you can probably see in some areas you can get to about 14 species in one night wow that's awesome that's cool i really i love the whole concept of supplemental i mean i don't want to call it supplemental herping but so many of us go looking for whether it's birding or or fishing or or herping we go looking for, you know, key species, desired animals. And, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going looking for, uh, I don't know, quote, I'm going looking for, for puff adders. And I happen to find a herald snake. Well, that's cool, man. I wasn't looking for it, but I get to tick that off the list, right? But when you have something like arthropods, whether it be centipedes or spiders, tarantulas, scorpions, what have you, it adds so much more. You know what I mean? And I feel like I you could almost... Yeah, you can almost reverse that too to the point where I, my friends and I, we've gone out looking for, you know, centroides that, that live locally by me and we'll find frogs, we'll find centipedes, find all kinds of stuff, including the centroides. So I really love the concept of the diversity in the herping, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Like when I've got like a bad trip and you can't find any scorpions, which isn't a lot, but. I've got this one guy that always goes out into the field with me, Andres, and he's, he's a lot, he's quite big into succulents, you know, the plants and things. And it, it started rubbing off on me. So when I can't <laughs> find scorpions, I start photographing plants, which is, uh, it's awesome, I never, never thought I'd do something like that, but that's the way it goes. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's, I just took Nipper, the, the, the two of us, as well as some of our friends went to Arizona and I see him taking pictures of cactus and I'm like, why is he taking pictures of cactus? And he's like, look at this cactus. And I look at it, I'm like, oh shit, he's right. It's fascinating. It's beautiful, you know. Yeah, no, especially if you're living in a in a place that have has such a you know rich um, biodiversity of plants. So some of them are quite like crazy. Like especially if you're living in the desert, 
those those plants are like dead half of the year and then when they get that one rain a year they like explode you know like living stones or something like that which we get in in south africa it's like um i don't know if you know what a living stone is it's like a yeah a lithops yeah so they basically dead for i would say eight months a year in some parts they get a little bit of rain and they they explode out of like they get like this uh, protective sheath over their their leaves and they actually burst when it's it's raining. They burst out of that sheath and make a new, uh, like a new leaf form. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, as I say, whenever I'm herping, you know, throughout Europe, you do see a lot of scorpions. It's just to my shame, I haven't got a clue what I'm looking at half the time. And then, you know, I take pictures, and then, as you say, there's not a massive amount of literature. Now you've told me about that website. Now yeah. I can start looking and trying to identify stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, all you know, all over Europe, the Middle East, I've taken loads of pictures of scorpions. Haven't got a scooby what they are, but yeah, <laughs> I, I can go back. Yeah, with, with Europe, it's 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 pretty difficult because usually it's just you, you get your scorpions, and that's about it. But if you yeah. you start getting into the south, like Spain, the southern France, you know, Portugal, you start getting bootes, yeah. which is like the, yeah. the 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 more dangerous scorpions in Europe. Um, but yeah, usually you just get your Scorpius in, 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 in Europe, which is those little tiny little brown things, and they're not very interesting. <laughs> All right, they're interesting to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I do know we photographed some very naughty stuff in Israel that were quite dangerous. Yeah. I can't remember what they were called. Um, but they were very, they're quite small and um, very narrow pincers and very very dark scorpions but i know everyone was absolutely terrified of them yeah God, is God it this, uh, it's probably not the androctonus because they're quite they've got those huge thick tails um right it's got a thin tail or a thick tail the thin tails they had uh, it's probably um Lairus or the what the people would call a death stalker that was it you know? yeah that was yeah. it yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, i've i've kept them as well before um bred them as well and they they're quite cool scorpions very very yeah. chilled actually compared to other things yeah, yeah they just, just uh, revised that genus too didn't they uh not that i'm aware of but i, I, I don't I, I can't say i keep up with um international um taxonomy yeah, that much yeah yeah no they had too they, much. i think it was like four species now it's up to i think eight yeah no it's i, I think there might be more than eight for layers okay if, if Phil's track record's anything to go by, there's probably a hundred of them now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there was a there was a huge discrepancy between certain like Quinquestriatus that was found in Egypt, Quinquestriatus that was found in yes. Tunisia, and yeah, Libya. you're actually right, yeah. And then they basically just took Quinquestriatus and like split it up into like five or six more. So yeah, that that's yeah. the that's the new. Um, I won't say fad with with taxonomy and scorpions, but they like splitting species now. Yeah. So that's why I said when you're looking at this South African species, um, if you're going with the Pistothalamus, the, the burying scorpions, they are about I would say fifty to sixty species at the moment. Wow. But the people are working on like tripling that number because there are so many that they just want to split the species basically. And I understand that sometimes, but yeah, we'll have to see when everything comes out. Yeah, which uh, which opisthothalamus do you have locally? Um, in Cape Town, we're like where, where you are. Yeah, so in Cape Town you get um, in Cape Town itself you get one species, opisthothalamus capensis, 
Um, and then if you go up to the Western Cape, ah, not the Western Cape, the, the West Coast, you get um, you get quite a few. So you get uh, Capensis, you get Latro, you get, um, let's see, Fusipes, you get Pelipes, you get, you get quite a lot of species in nice. the area. Depends how far you want to go. But yeah. just within Cape Town itself, you get you get one burying species. Yeah, yeah. I've kept uh, I've had Capensis before. I've also kept Walbergi and Boemai. And Boemai, uh, yeah. yeah, and I'll be honest, the the Boemai were probably my favorite. Those things you spray the sand a little bit, and they make these crazy tunnels. Yes, they are. Uh, they 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 one of the the more yeah. intense burrowers because they um, they live only in a small part of South Africa. They're actually more oh, okay. a, a Mozambican species. Okay. Um, but they live basically. It's like the the last part of the Kalahari sand system sure. in South Africa, and it's a, it's a lot of sand. You know, it's like this loose sand, and they are so well adapted to burrowing and stuff. So you get some species that make like yeah, you know, insane burrows, like meter down or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it makes, got, makes me got, feel bad about keeping them in a deli cup. <laughs> yeah, no, it does sometimes, but yeah, right? I think I don't think they're that worried. They don't have the biggest brains. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I've got pictures where I'm standing in, in in southern Namibia in a burrow that I dug, tried to digging, tried digging out the scorpion, and it was about a meter deep. I was standing wow. up to my waist. Yeah. Wow. Not easy, and it was in a dry riverbed. So if you dig and you if you lose that burrow for one second, because you basically you, you follow the burrow down with right. a little stick and um if that sand is very loose and you start digging with a spade the whole burrow just collapses and you, you you've lost the scorpion basically you oh, can't get geez. it again yeah so it can be wow. quite difficult in some areas yeah and you did you did find that specimen or no yeah i found quite a few i lost a few as well but oh, yeah okay <laughs> oh awesome man i can only imagine doing that you know incredible yeah it's, it's one of those things that you like you, you you start learning a lot about how deep you're supposed to go and you basically it's 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 like a set of steps you have to take you you've got your your spade and you put your little people usually take a little teaspoon you know and you put the the back part of the teaspoon in the burrow and you start taking layer off of the of the top of the the, the, the burrow you talk layer 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 and then you see where the the, the scorpion burrow goes again you put it the, this teaspoon down deeper and you start going layer 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 and you just do that and sometimes the scorpion burrow will go 180 it will sometimes just go down and it'll stop and it'll would have made a, a different route and sometimes the scorpion catches you and you, you can't you know follow a sparrow <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they're smarter than you that's awesome that's so cool, man. Huh. Yeah, so actually, I'm I'm actually busy working on a on a book for for the Western Cape species. Excellent. Um, that was going to be my next question. So, yeah, so um, it's taken a lot of a lot of time, a couple of years now, um, because you have to get a male and female of every species, and there are about ooh, thirty-five species in the Western Cape. Um, so I think maybe at the end of the, basically the only thing holding you back is the, is the, the photos because you, yeah. you can't just go to a spot and say, ah, I'm going to find a male and a female. You might find 20 females and no males. So hopefully at the end of the year, I'll have all the photos that the book has written. Um, Excellent. I just need, need the photos. <laughs> Excellent. So, 
if that's finished off, Nepal, I'll send you. I'll send you a free copy. Oh, mate, that would be awesome. Love yeah, a signed copy. Love a signed copy. That's incredible, man. I was just about to ask you if you if there was any thought about doing some, uh, whether it be a book on on South Africa or just the you know West Cape or just sub sub Saharan species of scorpions that you you definitely should do something like that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's actually the 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 one professor that I usually go into the field with. He actually was the first first guy that I would say exposed me to the scientific part of scorpions, um, Dr. Ian Engelbrecht. Um, and he's also, uh, I would say, the protege of uh, Lorenzo Prendini. And Lorenzo Prendini is the, the head curator of the Arachna Department at the Natural History Museum in New York. Wow. Um, and this Ian Engelbrecht is actually working on the whole South Africa. So all the species, and that's never been done. You, you, get, wow. you, get, books, you get books on scorpions like uh, Jonathan Neeming's book. But that's the common species you find. Like there might be like 30 species in the whole of South Africa in that book. And um, Ian Engelbrecht actually, I think he's been working on this book for more than 10 years. Um, wow. And it's about 100 plus species that he's photographed. And um, yeah, so hopefully Incredible. that will be out next year maybe. And that's another, that's one of the first main like uh, publica publications for scorpions. So maybe Excellent. you can get that as well. <laughs> Excellent. hundred uh, percent. I'll grab that. Keep us posted, man. That's awesome. If you follow my Instagram, I'm sure I'm going to, I'll post it on there. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey man, we're right at around an hour. Is there any uh, thing you wanted to touch base on Nipper or no? Um, no, I just a huge thank you for Paul for coming on. It's really good to see somebody that's as excited about another type of field work i'm used to talking to people that are really excited about going out and photographing lizards or going out and photographing snakes or whatever but to see the same i mean every time you talk about it your face lights up it's it's so good to you know see somebody that's so into whatever species they're into um i'm already excited about my next trip i'm going to milos in two weeks time and I'll be yeah. I'll be looking for I'll be looking for scorpions now, which is really... in, in, in in Greece. Yeah, the Cyclades. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you've got a lot of things to go and look for there. There's uh, <laughs> yeah. quite a few things. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I, I, but yeah, it's it's just another. As Phil said, it's another thing to look at when you go out for me now. I think that's that's great. Yeah. It's, you, know, you just it's, you just keep really on um, expanding, and it's it's yeah. always awesome. You know. It's the same for me. It's like I used to know nothing about plants. I used to know nothing about lizards and stuff like that. And you start going out with these people that you they might not be interested in, in scorpions, but you start catching on to stuff that you might be interested in. You know, you, I, I love finding geckos. It's it's one of my favorite things to get, uh, like uh, the Pachydactylus genus. It's awesome finding them when I'm looking for scorpions. So. Yeah, that's it's awesome. always nice expanding your 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 repertoire. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, I just want to say a very quick shout out to my Iberian chum, who I won't name because he, he's, he's quite self-effacing, but he knows who he is. And I just want to say a huge, genuine thank you for reigniting my passion for Euro Vipers. 
I've been chatting to him a lot, and he has cost me an absolute fortune of late. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Euro shows are coming up, I have pre-ordered a lot of Vipers, and I'm really motivated again to keep Euro Vipers. So you know who you are, mate, and I appreciate your uh, your uh, input. Apart from that, I'm all good. Follow me on Instagram if you're not already. Yeah. That's it. At Nipper Reed. Make it happen, people. Let's get me over a thousand followers. Come on. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. And uh, and Paul, I know you'd mentioned the Instagram earlier. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say or have people contact you? Where can people find you besides the Instagram? Um, so if anybody is listening in South Africa, um, I actually work with, well, I don't work with them. I do the identifications for them. It's um, the virtual museum that works out of the University of Cape Town. And it's basically like... Um, iNaturalist or iNat, you know, where they, uh, normal people that go into the field, you take a picture of something, you see a scorpion or something, you, you load it onto their database and that helps mapping out the distribution ranges of something. So if a South African is listening, you know, if you see, well, yeah, if you see a scorpion in South Africa, you can take a picture and I'll just upload it on virtual museum and um, yeah, I do the identifications and for that and it's one of the biggest helps when identifying scorpions if you know what the distribution of the species are. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And your Instagram is at paulbester underscore scorps, right? Yes. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm Phil, and you can find me at knobtails.ig. And uh, big shout out to uh, the Herbiculture Network. Check it out. Snakes and Stogies, THP, as well as the Morelia Python Network, Morelia Python Radio, and the like. And uh, Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. I know, man. Thanks thanks for asking me. It was a pleasure. Love it, man. Love it. And we'll definitely, uh, we'll have to get you on for more stuff in the future, especially when that book comes out. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. If if you see me posting the book, maybe beginning of next year, you can, yeah, just send me a message and I'll. I'll have to awesome. come on again. Awesome. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys.